Cause I'm in the shit house Wish I played in a rock and roll band Somebody give me a dollar bill So I can pass out on the jukebox singing Honk, it's all women During our Thanksgiving dinner, somehow the conversation devolved into just a long, hilarious, laughing conversation about James Gum from uh, Silence of the Lambs. Is it James or Jame? It it might be Jame. It might be Jame Gum. You talking about the transvestite <laughs> person? Yeah, yeah. yeah. The scene where the cop comes up to his door and Scott Ross just kept doing the, oh wait, <laughs> <laughs> is she a great big fat person? <laughs> but anyway, it was hilarious. We laughed about it for a while. Later in the evening, Michelle was like, yeah. And it sounded kind of sad. She was like, we just talked about the killer from Silence of the Lambs all through Thanksgiving dinner. I was like, yeah. I mean, what else are you going to talk about? Nothing's happened this year. (laughs) It puts the stuffing in the turkey. (laughs) Nobody wants to talk about the election. Nobody wants to rehash COVID. Mm -hmm. So, yes. I like how that song now, every time I hear that Tom Petty song, I just think of fucking people being skinned alive. She was an American girl. Running on myself. And he's like, can you help me with the fucking thing? He's like, at first, uh, yeah. no one... What size are you? <laughs> you <won't think> <laughs> and then also, like, no one has helped anyone put a sofa in a van since that movie came out. Yeah. Like, you just can't get somebody to help you put a sofa oh, in a van anymore. Speaking of music, that song that's being played at the end, um, Goodbye Horses, is basically ruined by that movie. It's a cool song. It's a very, like, the the dreamy kind of, like... Almost pixies or like. Is that the I fuck and the I'd fuck me? That. May, yeah, yeah. That that. Is that New place. Order or Joy Division? One of those bands or something? Maybe. It might be Joy Division and Goodbye Horses. I know that's the title, but I don't know who the. Nice. Jonathan, have you seen that little girl from London who had basically a drum off with David Grohl? I've seen bits and pieces and clips of it. Yeah, it's pretty cool, man. I think. What I saw looked really cool. Yeah. Yeah, her name's Nandy Bushell or Bushel. Nice. I'm not sure how you pronounce it, but um. She, I, I first saw her, she was playing like Rage Against the Machine covers or like Black Sabbath. She definitely Sabbath, lays into it. It's and awesome. And she plays everything. She plays all the parts and like puts together YouTube videos of her doing each separate part. But she also, she just had a, I, I, apparently she beat David Grohl in like a drum off. And she did this whole YouTube video where she's like saying how she beat him. And, and then she goes into this um, Tenacious D, like the greatest song in the world. But anyway, apparently uh, they're going to write a song together, too, her and Grohl, which is just, it's super cool. It's a heartwarming story. I looked up on Spotify, Goodbye Horses, and it's either by Q. Lazarus, Tone of Arc, Tone of Arc, Psyche, or Brad Sucks. <laughs> what? Brad How's sucks. it four different possibilities? There's know. good, there's just so many like versions of it. Hold on, let's see, is this... The one that's been played the most. Yeah, that's it. Who is that? Please be Tone of Arc. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's Q Lazarus. Uh, I was definitely going for Tone of Arc. Well, there's also one from a band called Venus in Furs. Huh, really? Venus in A band called Venus in Furs? <laughs> that's weird. That must be like a Velvet Underground cover band. It. It, well, it's Venus and then Infers, like I N F E R S. Like it's like my Infers? <laughs> Venus Infers. Jesus Christ. <laughs> That's actually penis Infers. I love it. <laughs>
I'd listen to we me. We should. <laughs> I'd listen to me. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> oh my goodness. Nice. I also watched the Belushi doc. I watched that. Showtime. What did you think? I don't. Uh, Belushi. I mean, he's definitely always had moments, but with when you look at the the folks he was around, there's definitely. A number of people around him that I find funnier than him, like I mean, between Chevy Chase and Bill Murray and Ian Harold Ramis. I mean, like he's he was always cool, but I never just like lost it. Over. He he's a little too slapsticky for me. Bill Murray just has a subtlety that I don't be, feel like any other comedian has. He can literally be doing nothing and be the funniest fucking dude on camera. You could definitely tell he's like a like master improver because his, his just he's so. I think you said last week that like Notorious B.I.G. We, we were talking about how he sounds so lazy. It's like he almost resp- his responses are so lazy, you know. Well, well the thing is, so, so but cool but so it. effortless and smooth. Well, he's not rushed, as well. right? Yeah, he's just always it, it, he always seems so calm. Like it's my oh, yeah. my fa- my favorite holiday movie is Scrooge, right? Like, right. That's the movie yeah, I yeah. I want to watch every christmas favorite, like, favorite christmas song blue christmas favorite christmas movie scrooge <laughs> hey man it comes around at the end but. No, no, you got a good theme going there it's nice oh this is kind of pretty cool um we were we were contacted actually by potentially our first corporate sponsor here oh, is um, that so? it's kind of cool uh Gold Bond, you know that company? <laughs> Gold Bond. They, they gave me this little some copy, some copy? to oh, try cool, out cool. here it's, it's kind of crazy. I'm just going to go for it here. It's about this that that spray powder they have. Like it's like a anti-absorption. It's a spray powder, and it's kind of cool. They're going with this new slogan. It's called. Uh, it says. Um, let me see here. Oh, it, Gold Bond spray powder. It's like a breath mint for your balls. <laughs> and it's just kind of this new racy thing. They wanted us to give us a shot. So there you go, folks. Try some Gold Bond. <laughs> Sweet. <laughs> That's our first sponsored segment. Yeah, we're Go just gonna. Bond. Yeah, <laughs> we'll figure. Just see, we're trying to breathe some life into the gold into the gold bond market for them here. Into oh the, the gold bond futures market. Um, <laughs> and, and, on, and on that note, you are listening to Pod Rock and Roll to you. <laughs> we're also like a breath mint for your balls, but <laughs> for your ears, bro. Not for your, your own balls Sorry, or Jesus. for each other's balls. We're also like a breath mint for your ears. Not your balls, Josh. <laughs> anyway, we have a section we're going to try before we introduce this week's song. And the section is called, Jonathan, you want to say it? What? <laughs> That'll do. That'll uh, do. <laughs> Neil, uh, anything music, any music that you listen to this week you want to mention? Say what? I must mention that I know you guys have talked about it a couple uh, on a couple pods, but are the... you going to say bulbs by Van Morrison? <laughs> no, the Ken Burns country music documentary. I cannot wait to watch um, because also like uh, the guy we had over for Thanksgiving, Scott could not shut up about it. Like he asked me every hour, like, "Have you seen the the Ken Burns uh, country music doc?" I'm like, "No, was no, it, was I getting... want to. I can't wait." Was it one of those where like somebody's getting drunk and they just keep asking you the same thing? And you're like, okay, yeah, yeah, cut him off. But anyway, oh. that's what. Jonathan, say what? Ken Burns is doing a thing on Ben Franklin and the American Revolution that sounds pretty rock and roll. <laughs> Sweet. Ken Burns sponsored what? <laughs> Josh, I'll say. Say what? 
<laughs> say what? Say what again? I uh, the, I listened to this album by the creative the creative um, mind behind Gorillas the band. All right, the Gorillas. I think it's it specifically the, the, the Gorillas. Gorilla. Uh, the Gorillas with the Z. With the Z. Um, who had behind such classics like Clint Eastwood. His name is Jarvis Cocker, but this album is Jarv Space Is, uh, all caps, and it's called Beyond the Pale. And it's a really interesting album. I wouldn't say it's really good, but it's worth a listen or three. Okay. Sweet. And this week was my week, and we are going to be discussing the Kim Carnes phenomenon deep dive 1980 <laughs> phenomenon yeah betty davis eyes in your mind it's phenomenon <laughs> it's a phenomenal random i mean i, I actually i uh, was i didn't even hear this recently it, it just popped into my head one night and I was like, I'm going to put this it. for the podcast. <laughs> and it's it's a fascinating song for me because, you know, I have an older sister and she uh, was born in the early 70s. Uh, sorry if you're listening, Laura. But, but <laughs> I'm, apo- I'm apologizing for when you were born, which I had nothing to do with or shouldn't be judging whatsoever. But I'm going to go ahead and apologize for that. <laughs> but anyway, she used to have these CDs when I was when I was younger of like billboards, top 10 songs of this year, you know? And, and I remember I used to listen to this one from 81 where Betty Davis eyes was the number one song that year. And I, I just always, it was always so catchy. I always loved it. And, you know, I, I think, you know, especially after revisiting this week, it, it, the smoky vocal, the catchy, the simple repeating riff. It, smoky vocal. It, <laughs> keep going. Oh my God. It, it, look, <laughs> There, her smoky vocal is so sexy, and it like creates a little bit of mystery. And uh, combined with that like simple repeating riff throughout the song, it's almost hypnotic, and it adds a little mystery. It's a little like I think Jonathan, you said I can't remember what song you said it about, but it's, it, it almost makes it a little film noirish, which is kind of a callback to the namesake of the song. The song itself, lyrically, it, it the woman she's talking about. You can tell who that is, even if you have no clue who Betty Davis is. You know, I mean, it's, it's a very simple song, but I, I find all the parts very complimentary. I think it's a really good song. I think it's a concise, like, well done, yeah. great song. It feels like you were definitely seduced by what they were trying to do with this song. Josh was put under the spell of Betty Davis' eyes, which is one of my points. I mean, I think that that's what they were trying to do. I mean, I think in some ways they succeeded, for sure. I think it was a ridiculous song choice for the pod, but I think it just might work <laughs> as a topic. My wife put it best when I played it for her, and she was like, wow, this is some of Rod Stewart's best work. Speaking <laughs> to the smoky vocals. And it's just, it's just a priceless 80s kind of synth attitude song. Very campy, but very memorable. They're trying to be so serious. And at first you kind of get seduced by it but then if you think about it a bit you're like hold on what what is going on here and just overall i think the song was more of a phenomenon than a great song like i think it came out at the right time early 80s like mtv it was 81 like they took the video and ran with it and it just it probably just took america by storm and i think it's pretty corny but like 
at the same time, like, who doesn't want to spend a night with this woman they speak of? You know what I mean? Right. <laughs> I think Jonathan doesn't want to spend a night with this woman. <laughs> no, I mean, I think my issue with this song for the podcast is it's it's just like the least interesting song we've talked about. Like, even the songs I don't love, which there have been a couple, they're still interesting. Like, they're still, I feel like they're. I don't know. I can't figure out. This is like one of three things. I'm not sure which one. It's like one of those like little marshmallow peep things they sell at like Easter. <laughs> Peeps. God. That like you eat, that you eat, but then you're like, I sh- this is disgusting. And I fucking hate myself. For, and I feel dirty inside. It's a Cadbury egg. For, <laughs> but yet I eat it. Right. Or or it's like, they're, once again, back to 30 Rock, the guy Frank always wears the ironic hats. It sounds, it looks like I can see that dude Frank wearing a hat that just says Betty Davis size. So it just feels like an ironic hat choice. Or it sounds like, I don't know if you took piano lessons, but like you being seduced by your 55-year-old piano teacher who smokes. <laughs> you know, it's like, so it's like, all of these who things the are fine. Who the like all of these things are fine, but I'm not sure if any of these things are good things or not. I think, but my biggest problem with it is that it's just so mediocre. Like it's it's like a bur- it's like bur- like take my breath away, or it's like it's like mm, that kind of song. Easy. Like it's not. Well, I think it's the least. But that being, it's not a bad song. Fair. The production, yeah. I mean, the production's good. You know, it is like a it does stick with you. There's a thing there, but I don't know. It's just it it, it makes me feel dirty inside. Yeah, there's I, a thing there. That's all I needed. That's all I heard. Well, I think I think there. we need. You know, like I mentioned, it's more of a phenomenon and kind of like a piece of art than a than to break it down as just like a masterwork, master stroke of. I, mean, I don't know if it's a phenomenon. Like I don't. I mean, like Michael Jackson was a phenomenon. Well, well like, no, it was. was. I mean, in, uh, it spent nine weeks as, at number one. Another song overtook it, and then it spent another four weeks at number one. It definitely, throughout that year, yeah. was a phenomenon. It just couldn't beat out "Physical" by Olivia Newton-John, which spent ten weeks there. <laughs> the, 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 yeah, now that's the song. I'll get. I'll get physical with Olivia <laughs> Newton-John. I mean, so you, they can't. But they're, they're big songs. I don't, like Michael Jackson's a phenomenon. Beat it was a phenomenon. Well, I mean, I I, well, okay, the mini one. But it, it was. It was not only was it the the, the number one song of 1981 according to Billboard. It was the number two song of the 80s according to Billboard in terms of like sales. Well, then that just shows us Bill. Well, but that that's. Yeah. I'm just saying. I'm not going. Not trying to get what into the whole matter? charts argument. It it matters because like you said, it has that it, thing. That just so many people listen to but it the, and listen to it. So over you think it's the second best song of the eighties? I didn't say it was the song. second best. I didn't say it was the second best. I'm well, going off saying? of Neil's point of it was a phenomenon. It was because people yeah. just and it couldn't still get enough is. of it. I, mean, I don't know if I. I, I do not. We're agree still talking about it forty years later. So because Josh brought it up for some god awful reasons, the only person who brought no, it up. Yeah, I mean, I don't. I don't think it's a great thing, but I. I definitely think it's very unique. It definitely stands out of the crowd. But a phenomenon would be like, say, if... I mean, uh, Culture Club was more of a phenomenon. Like, I mean, you know what I'm saying? No, like, you're, Cindy but Lauper, them as like, a band, sc- like Kim Carnes as, an, as a performer, was it the song itself Like Madonna? Was. Like, I feel like, like Like a Virgin was much more significant and popular but, than this. Well, significant, it, yeah. It, not, on the, not however Billboard did their charts. Okay, okay, okay. here's the thing. Though. It had nine years to sell records, too. So it had more time than Guns N' Roses coming out in 87, 88. That's so, fair, okay. cause, because Physical is the number one. So that, it also that came, came out in right. the same year, sure. But what I'm saying is, like, Phenomenon would be, like, what was the Gautier song from a few few years ago? Yeah. It might have even been from, like, 10 years ago, where it was, like, 
Yeah. Someone that I used to yeah. know. That was a phenomenon. It yeah. was everywhere. Even yeah. like that was, was an indie song that crossed yeah. over into the mainstream. Yeah, Gautier isn't a phenomenon. That song wasn't the best song I've ever heard, but yeah, it was I'm a not... phenomenon at the it was time. Bit, really I would big probably for say like, this was somewhat you know. similar to that. Yeah, I remember hearing this I as a know. child on, in the 80s just over and over. Like it definitely spread into the whole pop culture like crazy. You know, it wasn't a Michael Jackson phenomenon, but it was in its in its own right. You know, there's there's different levels of. But between like Springs, I mean, if you look at all the people from the '80s, like Springs, Thing, Madonna, and and, and not even talking about the artists themselves, but like they each have ten, five or ten songs that were infinitely more phenomenal than this one. Like Springsteen does. Madonna There's a does. difference Michael between Jackson phenomenal and a phenomenon. Yeah. And how many? Like, if you're gonna say, it, I, I don't think a phenomenon happens three or four times a year, and that's what this this song is like. There's three probably. There's a number of songs that had the success okay. this song did per year. But maybe maybe it is. Year. Maybe it is. Maybe it isn't. <laughs> I don't mean. But not in that year. I, also, I was going to say, would you say that? Uh, well, it had, makes no sense now. But um, <laughs> I was going to say before you got back into the thing, I was to say, would you say it's precocious, Jonathan? <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I, I'm going to choose not to answer and, that question. And for me, the songwriter, the songwriter is hard to find any fault with. Uh, I mean, each lyric creates a pretty vivid picture whether it's singularly or as a whole you could take each line and picture it in your head exactly what they're talking about i think the melody you know it makes the song so yeah i mean i think combined those two things i can't really find any fault in the songwriting i think it's well you know as you mentioned to listen to the original i it's it's so funny how it's completely different from this version like it, it, it's it's such a unique situation that the original, written by Jackie DeShannon, uh, released in 1974, this version by Kim Carnes is so much different. I mean, it's it's amazing how they took this song and transformed it into what it was. Because originally, it like that version, it almost sounds like Bob Dylan and the band or something. Just the music does. Yeah, right? you know, you can respect that version and how it was originally written because it you can tell it was just kind of like a a campy kind of like oh she's uh, we're singing about this sexy woman with betty davis eyes and like we're just gonna have fun and then kim carnes was like uh, precocious like with her smoky vocals <laughs> her smeagol her golem vocals but the i feel like the song makes more sense in that context but what they did with it i mean the way they performed it was was pretty cool it was phenomenal <laughs> <laughs> it's phenomenal um, <laughs> yeah that's a better word so here's the thing. I think I think listening to the original actually proves that how mediocre this song is. It's using super standard changes, and it's fine. But what you're really digging, man, is the production, which we'll talk about later. But like the song itself, we've always said a great song is a great song no matter what you do to it. Mm-hmm. This song was not great until it got produced in the '80s yeah. with this guitar yeah, yeah. like synth. Totally. So totally, the songs yeah. like what 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 you're digging about this song is 80 percent like the production. Of yeah. It. So I, it's a it's a pretty mediocre song. Don't get it's me not, wrong. I don't think it's a great song. I totally agree with what you're saying. Right. Like, if you listen to the original, it's just very common, like one, three, six, one, six, two, five, uh, ragtime changes. And, and there's some cool lyrics. You know, the lyrics aren't bad. It really is the, uh, this is, this, what you're digging about this song is just like the peeps, is it's just like it's 99% production. I somewhat agree with you. I think, as we'll talk, uh, we'll talk about later as well, I think the vocal has a lot to do with it. I, I think her voice is pretty distinct, other than the Rod Stewart comp. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> But like I said, I mean, I do think the lyric itself is is su- super creative. I mean, it's basically super, crea- tr- super creative. 
Yeah, I think it's, I think it's creative. <laughs> super creative. Let's, uh, what, give me the super creative. Let me hear some super creative lyrics here. <laughs> Lamb on me. I think the lyric. I think the message of like a tribute to a uh, callback to this woman and using like a very distinct feature of prominently known actress from. Uh, I guess I guess Betty Davis. Nah, she probably wasn't acting anymore at this time. But you know, her heyday was in the '30s, '40s, '50s, and using that to describe uh, a, a specific woman. I think they're good. I think it's they're just, fine. Yeah, I, think, it's, I don't it's, think they're bad. They're not special. They're, super. they're not special lyrics. They're not like, oh my god, this is the greatest thing. But they're creative. I like the whole notion of taking a prominent figure. I mean, yeah, sure, it dates the song, but like even now, even at that point in 1980, Betty Davis had seen her day. So I mean, it's uh, yeah, pretty much I'm the not, same thing. Of you're debating with yourself. I'm not debating now. that. Yeah, I'm not debating. Yeah, that. and I think as far as songwriting, it it just really was like a fun concept. You know, it's almost like a concept song. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, that's fine. And it's it'd a be concept. It'd be like a song, like if your friend wrote, you'd be like, "That's fucking hilarious! It's amazing! Nice work!" Like, yeah. um, like in in its own right, in its own genre of songwriting, taking a famous person and kind of uh, turning them into the sex symbol is just kind of funny. What they did with it, with the production of the '80s, they made it so serious that it, you know, it's tough to swallow. Actually, let me ask real quick: what, Do you like the original, Josh? No. I like the I music. The I mean, the fun. musical arrangement of the original. The biggest thing for me, I, I do, I, I agree with your point about the production and, and how it, it takes it into a different, it, it does make a lot of song. But for me, the vocal of Jackie DeShannon, who sings the original and wrote the original, is not that special. Like, right, it doesn't really do anything for me. It's not, it's singing. And like, again, this song is not a lyric driven song. It's, it's more of a concept song of we're going to have this concept. Like, Neil made a, I love that of, this is basically like your buddy wrote it, and it's like this is kind of funny, but this is kind of <laughs> all, an awesome concept too. But I do enjoy how the how the lyrics are just very descriptive, very simple, very concise, but they also paint a picture. I do think that in and of itself is impressive. Now, maybe, probably just singularly, the lines are better than that than as a whole. But I do like it's very descriptive. She'll turn the music on you. You won't have to think twice. Her hair is Harlow gold. Her lips, sweet surprise. Her hands are never cold. She's got Betty Davis eyes. I mean, like, I do enjoy that aspect of the song. She'll let you take her home. It whets her appetite. She'll lay you on her throne. she got Betty Davis eyes. I mean, I, I, it creates a very nice mood. I think the, the lyrics. So my thing is, like, I, I kind of like the original, because the original, it sounds like a song out of a play. It sounds like very Mae Westy from, like, you know, like the, the, the kind of a bar girl in, like, a Western, doing it very vaudeville is what it is. So and it's fun that way. I think the original's fun and then the new one's fine, but I'll, really the new one is not what it's driving the new one is that is that riff. Boo doo da boom boom bum bum. It's all I mean, just mm-hmm. that it's just riff driven. And everything else is just like her vocal and mediocrity. Yeah. Her vocal's cool, the riff's great, everything else is mediocre. But really, I mean, you only need a couple things in a song to be great to have that thing you were speaking about. I agree, about. but this one, it's such a small part of the thing. It's just that little riff. The the music, it's, you know, like I said, it's just classic 80s. Uh, it comes in with the shakers and the synth and um, just a real solid drum beat on the one. It's got the muted 80s guitar work. The And one of the parts is just like the the 80s trope of like the big beats where it sounds like they're hitting like sheet metal. (laughs) 
Yeah, yeah, some kind of electronic <laughs> drums, electronic, totally electro- electronic. Yeah. Um, but but music, but musically, what we're talking about is that riff. I mean, it pretty much repeats throughout yeah. the song. The keyboard player Bill Cuomo gets credit for coming up with the riff. I think that riff is it's it's catchy from start. I don't think it wears out. It doesn't like bore me throughout the song. And then moving on to just um, talking about the vocals, um, I think it's yet another example of hot bacon cold lettuce with just all the smooth synths, synth and her raspy ass voice that's kind of what makes this song so special yeah and i think it's one of those things where phenomenal if you like if you like if you like <laughs> said if you like said smoky vocals then i could see why you like this because this is like peak smoky vocals but to me it's just like definitely a bit much it's just like a lot of fluff in this song man it's like you know it's production it's production driven it's like big shoulder pads and fucking Don Johnson y, like, it's just 80, it's peak 80s. If you're into that kind of thing, then, you know, you're going to dig it. Yeah. Don Johnson I mean, I feel like this is before the. You're the actually, show I, it's, not as cool, it's not as cool as Don Johnson. You're right. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> no, it's definitely well, not. So, first of all, like, my least favorite part of the song would be the musical interlude. It is pretty meh. Uh, what do you mean, the, you what do you mean the interlude? There's just, like, a little musical break. Hmm. I didn't and, even hear that. <laughs> I didn't know that either. Well, so the but the music <laughs> Must have been it's not very happy. long. It's not very long, but it does have. Oh, it, I know what you're talking about. It has these like whip sounds. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. The sheet metal. The... <laughs> and at first, I'm like, and at first, I was thinking about. It, I was like, God, this sounds like a whip. And I was like, I wonder if they're trying to throw some like little subtle hints of like a dominatrix in here, like she's a dominatrix. But then, if you watch the video, which what we can get we can get to towards the end but like in the video in this break it's just a bunch of old it's like a scene from a 1940s movie and it's just the no, actress is slapping no, the it's man not. and that <laughs> i wrote down that it looks like they she's playing to some new wave Alice in Wonderland dancing pirates like that oh, i mean in the video yes yeah, so bad but if you, just taking the slaps in and of itself, I mean, it, it's it's still a callback. What I think they did musically with this, with her smoky vocal, kind of calls back that time of when Betty Davis was famous in the 30s, 40s, and 50s, where they're just chain smoking in every movie, and that's using that in black and white. And then also the interlude, like that little whip sound, but or slap sound, it, it's also just a callback. It's like a cheeky little callback to <laughs> a cheeky little callback. <laughs> yeah, no, it's. I mean, it's. I don't think any of these. Things, I don't really disagree with any of these things you're saying. No, you know, no. I mean, they're all they're things. Yeah, I, I, I don't. I don't think they. I, right. I doubt the smoky vocal was like, yeah, let's make it smoky because they all smoked back then. I think it was just a fun coincidence, maybe. That well, I don't know if they it. did that purposely. I mean, yeah. she sounds how she sounds singing, mm-hmm. but yeah, I don't think I've ever heard anything else she's done. If you look at her kind of history, she's a songwriter. She was like involved in a songwriting thing with uh, Glenn Fry and a couple of those guys who started the Eagles in the early 70s. She's from Pasadena. She had, I think, or either this this same year as this came out or before, had like a super huge duet with Kenny Rogers. Um, but this song she didn't actually write, as we already said. But What, yeah, was, her Kenny Rogers, your... what was her Kenny Rogers duet? I feel like I know this. Oh, really? It is Fall in Love with a Dreamer. Don't Fall in Love with a Dreamer. Oh, that old, her, that old her classic. Her duet Kenny Ro- I know Rogers is don't fall in love with. I don't. I didn't know it. No, I, I, to it, I don't know if I've ever heard. Listen that. to it very carefully. <laughs> it's. I, it's. Be, I mean, be, be prepared for like more eightiesness. No, she's a good singer, man. You know, I think it's just mainly like riff and filler and cool and like I said, it, 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 there is. It's. It's not nothing. It's not like a terrible song or anything. It's just kind of like. 
I don't know. It's weird because it does stick with you even when you don't really want it to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think the most effective part of the tune is the production. That kind of synth riff. I don't know. If, I guess it's synth. It, that little refrain is the thing that sets it up because it it really does pair well, and that you know goes to show you the power of production and arrangement. The original one doesn't have that. The original is very uh, straight ahead and uh, barroom, vaudeville, ragtimey, piano, and and then it feels very much like a play. This one um, brings it more like into a club, drinking martinis, wearing turquoise bullshit kind of vibe, <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm. And so, but it's yeah. very effective that way. And even the, the the guy who produced this version, Val Garay, the original demo of the tune that was brought to him, he said he sounded like a Leon Russell track with its beer barrel polka piano part. <laughs> what, what kind of piano? Beer barrel polka piano. Oh, nice, nice, <laughs> nice, nice. nice. She said that she wanted to make it darker. And so basically the producer went out and purposely bought the cheapest sounding drum set for the recording and used a very early synthesizer called a Sequential Circuits Prophet 5. And that's how they just like found the sound. Sweet. (laughs) And basically (laughs) it took three days practice and then they recorded it over the next two days with no no overdubs. It is a very well-produced song. That's what really breathe this kind of life into the tune i'd probably say the producer i mean the singer's really good obviously but like i would say the producer is probably the single most influential person in this whole Certainly. between songwriter yeah singer, it's and all the about the production because it production. was i mean because it's a completely different song before even though it's the same changes same kind of same structurally but it is completely different so what they did to achieve that is they left out everything except the most basic things that had to be there like just the slightest tense of chord changes with that riff yep. mm-hmm. and then her vocals that which were really strong it gave it so much more space mm-hmm. which i think lends itself to mystery and lends itself to to that romanticism and that kind of stuff because it really puts on the listener to like do the imagining yeah and the production kind of reminds me like basically off of what you just said that part reminds me of what Seasons, uh, the Future Island song we talked about. Sure. They do the same thing where it's really about the singer and the vocal performance and then just make sure everything else is really tied around it. But also, thinking about it, it's also, like this is 81, you know, when we talked about Tainted Love, also at the beginning of the 80s. So kind of like almost creating that, I don't know if this was a specific part of the 80s, but almost at the vanguard of that sound in the 80s. It's funny how they were both covers also. Yeah. Think mm-hmm. about that, um, how they were mm-hmm. both like, all right, we're going to synth up these. Yeah, yeah. Now, I definitely will take Tainted Love over this song yeah. any day oh, of yeah, the week. Of course, of course. But this one, it's very effective. And if it's, your, if it's the kind of thing you dig, you're definitely going to dig it. Because it it's good at what it does. It's just, to me, it's at this point, it's almost like ironic 80s. Mm-hmm. You know, I have a hard time getting past it. Yeah, I'm, I'm never going to put it on. Uh, if it comes on, I'll have a good laugh and, you know, think of the nostalgia it creates. But it's not like, I'm never going to put it on a mixtape. Never. Yeah, I mean, this is something that I never hear. I never listen to it. But when I thought about it, I was just like, huh, I want to revisit that song. I'm just going to use the podcast to do that. And the only time that you would enjoy that this song these days is ironically. You bring it, is it that pop? Do you think it's that popular today for people alive today? No, that are our, not, no people I, I our say age. For somebody like my sister who was born in... <laughs> who, was born, who was like born in the early 70s. I think, yeah, for her it's super ironic. But like... For us, who were like that same age in the '90s, I mean, this was just no. a song we heard. I think, as like I think if you really played this, kids. 
if you played this for anyone, they would find it super 80s and cheesy at this point. Like, I, I feel like it's it's definitely at this point a very ironic song. Here's why. is because it's 90% production, and the production of the 80s is not, is cheesy. If you take a song yeah. like Phil Collins, Phil, and you strip away all that production, well, and you just play the song, and it's a great, still a great song. Yeah, because it's a great song and from just the start. The way it was, like I said, it was so self-serious. They're just like... They're just really trying melodramatic overdrive yeah. on the seduction. Like, ooh. I think I think that was also the point. I mean, I think they wanted to, to do that. And the way it opens up in that little interlude where it gets like kind of brighter, it was an intro. The way they open that up, like. Yeah, it's like it's, it, but like it's all production driven, and it's like it, it, if your style was hyper '80s, the hyper '80s style itself feels a bit cheesy these days. Where if there was song songwriting content like Phil Collins, like you know a number number of other folks, even Cindy Lauper, like you can strip away all the '80sness and still have a damn good song. I don't mm-hmm. think you have that True. with this. That's uh, fair. So you picked this, Josh. Do you have a favorite part of this song? The vocal is probably my favorite part. I would say. You know, the riff is, I, I enjoy, I think the repetition is why it's so catchy. But I also love the little the little lead-in to the chorus. I don't know if that you call that a walk-up or a walk-down, if you know what I'm talking about, where it's like, da-na-na. it's like, almost like a shuffle. It sounds like some feet are shuffling, again, to the production. It sounds like sh- sh- feet are shuffling. But yeah, I would say those are my favorite parts of the song. Uh, least favorite would be the, the musical interlude. I, like, the whips are cool, but like, I don't know, it's... Yeah, um, it's blah. I, I'd definitely say the least favorite is the ferocious, <laughs> precocious. <laughs> she's gorgeous. <laughs> um, to make a crow blush. <laughs> oh, is that what they say? a crow blush? Well, so the original no, says crow. crow blush, and she changed. Well, the original oh. says crow, and she changed it. That's the only so lyric she changed in the song. You so make pro. A pro blush. Uh, well, which which oh, actually yeah. makes sense because it's more about sense an than actress. crow. And then uh, I was struggling for a favorite part, but I, I felt like um, just a lyric, pure as New York snow. I kind of just liked that lyric. There's some purity there, and I love snow. <laughs> yeah, I, I like that little riff that the whole song's built on. And while I don't like the lyrics of the precocious all that i don't i don't like those those lyrics are much a bit much but i do like the music part in that and the way it transitions you out of the drama it definitely it it it, it ushers you right out out of the drama really effortlessly it gets you moving it gives you a chance to come back to the drama and so that it's very effective in there i think i think they do that really well yeah Even Um, even if the lyrics are a bit much so in saying all that as we enter our under the influence section what, what do you find that this may have influenced, was influenced by? I would say cigarettes were a big one, a big influence here. <laughs> um, I would say fucking tobacco, big fucking tobacco. Cigs. A lot of I bourbon. Would say, <laughs> um, no, you know, it's got that, um, it's very much of that uh, tainted love kind of vibe. I mean, I think this is the, this does, you know, kind of to your point, mark a transition from something that is distinctly 70s. I eat a Peter Frampton stuff we were talking about before to like this mm-hmm. is like straight up 80s definitely the beginning of the 80s and it's because of the way technology was developing and yeah so it's definitely it marks kind of a sea change you could say musically it's definitely b- the, the beginning of a new decade with this kind of stuff and yeah uh, and speaking of that I don't I don't think 
I could find anything that I felt influenced this song, but I feel like it influenced a lot moving forward. Um, For sure. Definitely like Cyndi Lauper. I, I, you know, I'm sure she was out around the same time, but I think some of her hits were well after this. A little this. later. And then definitely Total Eclipse of the Heart. That song. Oh, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> and and then the the '90s version of this song, Black Velvet. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It's but I forgot uh, what Total Eclipse. The, of the poor heart. man's version uh, of this. Poor woman's version of the song. Well, uh, yeah. I mean, Neil. Yeah, all those are great. I mean, uh, Debbie Gibson probably. I mean, pretty much any. I wouldn't like. She kind of like. This is more of an influence on the more pop centric, not. And less like of the '80s, like female vocalists of the '80s, and less like the Joan Jets and um, the good uh, stuff. Pat, and the Pat Benatars and stuff. <laughs> um, but I would, I will say one thing, influence-wise, I, I don't think this song influenced the song I'm about to mention. But if you like songs that mention old black and white movie actors, can't go wrong with Neil Young's Pocahontas, which it, it gets it right, mentions eventually. I'll take, I'll take. I tell you a song that's similar to this, but without the production is uh, it's like the way the original was, a pencil thin mustache by uh, Jimmy Buffett. Huh. I wish I had a pencil thin mustache. <laughs> it's the same kind of thing. It's just that same kind next of thing. week on Pod Game Rock. <laughs> hey man, do not shit on the Buffett. <laughs> don't shit on the Buffett. What are they called? Parrot heads? I yep, don't know. They, they, yeah, they are. I don't ever refer to them. Get your fins out. I don't know if it's her, but this song also probably influenced even like up to somebody like Taylor Swift. I think yeah, would definitely. Uh, yeah, and I mean that definitely brings us into under the covers. My favorite cover definitely was the Taylor Swift live version, where she just talks about uh, songwriters from California, Pasadena, whatever, and just plays it on an acoustic guitar, and she does it in such a sweet way. She does it like not as smoky and like cheesy. It's just kind of. You get to hear it just sung beautifully. Yeah. And it's a very good version. Um, there's a cool version by a band um, that my wife turned me on to called Rogue Wave. Um, I enjoyed that one, yeah. Yeah, it's they cool. did a good I version. Like um, and that's basically all I listen to as far as covers. Yeah, I just like I was just surprised to hear that this one was a cover. You know, I didn't know that. And uh, they're, I, mean, I think the original's fun. I, in, in some ways, I, I the thing I enjoy about the original, the production could be refined a bit but i like that take on it because it feels more um like i said show tuny and it, I, it doesn't have all the the dirty parts of this one and so i kind of like that so i kind of like the i like the original almost as a cover because you know i'd never heard it before uh, we have to mention the video a little bit oh my um, god it's <laughs> well, excellent well, it I, excellent I, I already brought up what i thought of the dancers the way they're slapping each other is re- fucking ridiculous and i just love the way it starts the video starts with like fog a silhouette of a woman and like blowing Wait. fabric like what 80s video didn't start with like a fog machine blowing fabric fabric in a shadow <laughs> but the silhouette is betty davis right yeah, yeah she's I smoking think so. a cig yeah. and it, everything's in black and white around mm-hmm, mm-hmm. like kim carnes is on some platform in the middle of the room but i think everything else is super cool it creates kind of like a noirish yeah, um, and just the fact that it, it was probably so influential that it was just at the start of music television, like that, that this this probably just broke out of MTV like a fucking phenomenal. Oh, of, of course, <laughs> but you can tell how like it, it, it's so like if they could have kept it simplistic, like they did the song and concise and like just a few elements, but they had to do that coke-addled 
Yeah, yeah. Early 80s, late 70s, early 80s, just like, all right, let's throw in some dancers slapping yeah. people in the musical I'm interlude. Th- and she's going to be on a platform. I'm thinking we have some pirates. We have some uh, Alice in Wonderland. Mash that together or they're all going to slap each other. We'll have some eye patches. Let's get it. Get some hair gel. Let's go. Right. It's all, yeah. This is all production, 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 production. It's like they're, yeah. they literally made this. They, they engineered this song to be fucking popular. It's just an engineering feat. Mm-hmm. Is what and it they is. succeeded. Yeah. And yeah. yeah, they yeah. did. All right. This week we want to give a shout out to our friends from the band Bad Business who have their own podcast called Imbibe the Vibe. Check it out. Hey, all you pod gave rock and roll to you fans. This is Alex and Jackson from the Imbibe the Vibe podcast. Have you ever wondered, what should I drink while enjoying a fine piece of music? We did, and we made a show about it. We take really fancy cocktails and mix them with cool tunes. And we also teach you how to mix those fancy drinks so you can do them at home. Check us out wherever your pods are served. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and remember, like we say, have fun, have out, fun there. out there. Uh, so what would you, would you guys, Josh, obviously the shoe fits, I would say. I, the, the shoe fits like a like a worn flip-flop that I can't I can't toss in the trash. Like I, 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 I love it. I can't I just can't throw it away. Actually, that, that actually is not too far off the, the way I was going to say the way this shoe fits like one of those flip-flops you get from the pedicure place you see women wearing where it's like just a little piece of shit <laughs> like rubber sole <laughs> now that being said, it's like teal it's exactly paper thin. and that being said i would never go do that but if i did it's got like you know i'm not really comfortable it. with it right i'm not really it's precocious you know i'm not really <laughs> i'm not mean, really sure i want these things but there, it, it there is a place ju- it knows just what it takes to make a, a, a johnny blush Exactly. Exactly. And what it takes is this, you know, these 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 pieces of shit flip flops. Um. So yeah, I mean, so in the sense that they do serve a function and they they are a thing, better than walking out of a pedicure barefoot. I mean, I've never had a pedicure, but like it's just it's that's what it is to me. It fits about like that. Nice. Yeah. And going Mio, along, going along with the cheesy nature of this song, I would say, sure the shoe fits, but they're probably on the floor at this point. <laughs> Did you say on the floor at this point? Yeah. She's put me on the <laughs> throne, bro. I'm up on the throne with uh, Betty Davis eyes. <laughs> that sounds like you're taking a shit with Betty Davis eyes. <laughs> hey, man, that's one of the lyrics. <laughs> <laughs> Which is an image I do not want in my fucking head. <laughs> okay. Taking okay. a shit. So, listen to Betty. He's got Betty Davis it's my eyes. Shit. It's my shit and song. All right, then. All right, so on that note. We have a special treat for you guys this week as we will have a guest cover by our good friend Leanne Skoda and Dylan Rodrigue. They will be performing the 1981 smash hit by Kim Carnes, Betty Davis Eyes.
Okay, that cover was performed by Leanne Skoda and Dylan Rodrigue. Leanne will be releasing a single on December 18th, so be sure to check her out on Spotify or through her website, leannescoda.com. That's L-E-E-A-N-N-S-K-O-D-A.com. It will be in the notes of this podcast. You can also find her on Instagram at at lskoda. And... and <laughs> As usual, thanks for listening to Pod Gave Rock and Roll to you. If you like what you heard, please subscribe and rate on Apple, iTunes, and Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you'd like to communicate with us, suggest songs you'd like us to talk about, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram under the handle at Pod Gave Rock. Next week is Jonathan's week. So, Johnny, what are we diving into? We're diving into... See, that's the experience of the song. We're going to talk about patience. Actually, next week we're going to be talking about patience by Guns N' Roses. <laughs> or patience by the doctors. Damn, wait! <laughs>